2 Kings chapter 23. The king sent, and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. The king went up to Yahweh's house, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, with the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in Yahweh's house. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before Yahweh to walk after Yahweh and to keep his commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to confirm the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people agreed to the covenant. The king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of Yahweh's temple all the vessels that were made for Baal for the Asherah and for all the army of the sky, and he burned them outside of Jerusalem, in the fields of the Kidron, and carried their ashes to Bethel. He got rid of the idolatrous priests, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah, and in the places around Jerusalem, those also who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the planets, and to the army of the sky. He brought out the Asherah from Yahweh's house, outside of Jerusalem to the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and beat it to dust and cast its dust on the graves of the common people. He broke down the houses of the male shrine prostitutes that were in Yahweh's house where the woman wove hangings for the Asherah. He brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates that were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on a man's left hand at the gate of the city. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places didn't come up to Yahweh's altar in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brothers. He defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or daughter to pass through the fire to Molech. He took away the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the son, at the entrance of Yahweh's house, by the room of Nathan Melech the officer, who was in the court. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. The king broke down the altars that were on the roof of the upper room of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of Yahweh's house. And he beat them down from there and cast their dust into the brook Kidron. The king defiled the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the mountain of corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon. He broke in pieces the pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, and filled their places with men's bones. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, even that altar and the high place he broke down. And he burned the high place and beat it to dust and burned the Asherah. As Josiah turned himself, he spied the tombs that were there in the mountains. And he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it, according to Yahweh's word, which the man of God proclaimed. Who proclaimed these things? Then he said, What monument is that which I see? The men of the city told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things that you have done against the altar of Bethel. He said, Let him be, let no one move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came out of Samaria. 
All the houses also of the high place that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke Yahweh to anger, Josiah took away and did to them according to all the acts that he had done in Bethel. He killed all the priests of the high places that were there on the altars, and he burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. The king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover to Yahweh your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Surely there was not kept such a Passover from the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor of the kings of Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to Yahweh in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah removed those who had familiar spirits, the wizards and the teraphim and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might confirm the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in Yahweh's house. There was no king like him before him, who turned to Yahweh with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, and there was none like him who arose after him. Notwithstanding, Yahweh didn't turn away from the fierceness of his great wrath, with which his anger burned against Judah, because of all the provocation with which Manasseh had provoked him. Yahweh said, I will also remove Judah out of my sight, as I have removed Israel, and I will cast off this city which I have chosen, even Jerusalem, and the house of which I said, My name shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah, and all that he did, aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? In his day, Pharaoh Necho of Egypt went up against the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates, and King Josiah went against him, and Pharaoh Necho killed him at Megiddo when he had seen him. His servants carried him in a chariot dead from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. The people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's place. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, according to all that his fathers had done. Pharaoh Necho put him in bonds at Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem, and put the land to a tribute of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the place of Josiah his father, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But he took Jehoahaz away, and he came to Egypt and died there. Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land and gave the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land from everyone, according to his assessment to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabida, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, according to all that his fathers had done. So this chapter is describing the extent of Josiah's revival, but then his two sons, which were wicked. Josiah was so thorough in going throughout the land. In fact, he was, he was so thorough, he even went beyond the land of Judah and went up into Israel and started cleaning things up up there. It says here that he removed the filth out of Judah and he, he dropped the ashes. Like he was getting things out of the temple and burning them 
and then he took the ashes to Bethel. Now Bethel, you'll remember there were two golden calves, one at Dan, the top of Israel, and one at Bethel, and then Judah was below. He took the ashes from Judah up to Bethel and got rid of them there. Now I'm guessing that that's just as a sign of removing the filth out of Judah completely, taking it away. It's a very comprehensive revival, and the scripture said there was no one like him who sought the Lord with all his heart and all his soul and all his might. Well, we could learn a few things from that. Way, way back in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2, when King Jeroboam the first, first set up the two golden calves, there was a man of God that came from Jerusalem and he, he, you know, he spoke to Jeroboam and said there's going to be a sign. He said there's going to be a king born called Josiah and he's going to scatter the bones on this altar. You remember that? 1 Kings chapter 13, we talked about that. Well, this is the chapter where it happens. And Josiah knows about it. He knows that story because he, he knows about the old man. Because when he encounters the tomb of the old man, he leaves that tomb alone. But the other tombs with the bones, he gets them out and desecrates the, uh, the, older, the altar. Now, archaeologically, uh, they've discovered the site of the golden calf at Dan, but the site of the golden calf at Bethel is not being discovered. Now, I don't know whether that's because Josiah just, you know, messes it up and destroys it or not. But I know that Josiah definitely messed it up and desecrated this site. It's all a part of his revival. When we get to the Chronicles account of this, it talks about the joy in the hearts of the people and all of this. It just, it's enough to make you want to cry. And it's so wonderful that the Lord is able to change the hearts of people. Such a blessing. And um, Josiah was so zealous to, to make the place where God wanted to be worshipped, proper. He wanted it to be the ultimate place. But the Lord had already decided by this point he was destroying that place. Because the Lord, the place really is not a physical place. All along, the Lord needed a physical place to try to teach us about something that was much more real. We think that physical things are the most real things you can get, and other things are, are like analogous. But no, the physical things are the analogies to point to the other things which are the more real things. And so there's a place. And it's more real, but it's not physical. And it's the place where we come to worship the Lord. It's not a mountain like Jerusalem. or It's not a temple like the temple in Jerusalem. It's, it's the body of Christ. We are the temple. We are the Lord's mountain. We are that place. And we come and we become part of God's body and we worship Him there. It's not physical. And you can be a part of it if you're in prison, you know, if you've been persecuted or if you've been, you know, if you can't get to church because you're unwell and you're in your bed at home, you can worship. And it's, it's a place where you belong to God's people, but it's not a physical place. And the Lord, you know, Josiah tried so hard to, to preserve, but in the end, the Lord had decided to remove the place. And ultimately, when we get back to, you know, they rebuilt the temple, but ultimately the Lord destroyed to decided to permanently remove that physical place. The book of Hebrews talks about this old covenant as being obsolete, and what is obsolete will soon disappear. And the whole Old Testament system ultimately did disappear. But the Lord, you know, he, he wanted to remove these things for his very own reason. And there's a process at work 
where when the people come back from this punishment and from this exile, they're changed. They're changed forever. They are now monotheists. They've never been monotheists up to this point. They've always been people that worship the Lord, but they kept turning to worship other things. They were always kind of like um, struggling with this. But after this exile, the Lord works in their hearts somehow. And the Lord knew that it just was necessary. It kind of seems like the Lord was so hard-hearted that you know they had this great revival, but the Lord was still determined to punish. But no, the Lord's the Lord's dealings were so good for Jerusalem and so good for Israel and so good for us that when they come back from the exile, they're just different. The, the Israelites, the Jews are just different. Never again are they tempted by the gods of other countries. In fact, they're so one-eyed about their God that it frustrates the Roman Empire no end. <laughs> we'll get to all of that. But um, Josiah is such a great king. He's one of the great kings. And he's... if. Uh, if you want someone to admire and love, he's a great man to admire and love. After him, though, he has wicked sons. So very sadly, sometimes these things just don't translate down the generations. So when he gets killed in battle, his son Jehoahaz becomes the 17th monarch, the 16th king of Judah. He lasts a mere three months when uh, he is basically taken away by Pharaoh Necho of Egypt. And Necho gets his brother which is Jehoiakim, and puts Jehoiakim on the throne. So it's still a descendant of Josiah's. It's kind of gone down to Jehoahaz, where then gone sideways. Still a descendant of Josiah's, but... And it's Jehoiakim who's in the line of Jesus, not the other guy, Jehoahaz. When you go read Matthew's genealogy of all the kings coming down to Jesus, um, it's Jehoiakim, the 18th monarch and the 17th king of Israel, which is in the line of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Josiah and for his revival. I thank you that you used it for your purposes in salvation history, and we thank you for salvation history. And Lord, I pray that we too would have such a heart to follow you as Josiah did. Lord, bless your people today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.